Successful people learn how to make their mind work for them. I'm David Nagel, and this is the Successful Mind Podcast. Welcome to Inside the Episode. Today, David and I are talking about the premise of pursuit. Going to be doing a little bit of U Square, talk a little As a Man Think It today. A lot of good stuff coming your way. So basically, your whole library of great books is included in this episode, <laughs> okay. so I'm sure we'll talk a lot about that. Well, uh, right out of the gate in this episode, you hit us with the reminder uh, to do a little bit more than I said I was going to do yesterday. So uh-huh. always doing a little bit more. And that's designed to sort of rewire and reprogram your brain to think like an elite person, because that's what we want to be. We want to be elite. So how has that do a little more mantra kept you on a path of continuous growth? Was it always like that? Did you struggle with doing a little bit more? Uh, how does that maybe help you keep moving forward? No, I wasn't always like that. wasn't always like that. You had to teach um, I, I, well, you know, I don't know if I was like that as a kid. I think I would, I think I had a natural tendency to be that way as a child. But then through the repetition of just a, a toxic environment that got put away or shelved or just I never became aware of it or, or whatever. But I was a very energ- energetic, gregarious, um, curious, very curious kid. And then the closer I got to being an adult, the more that was getting shut down. However, to answer your question, that was, a, that was something that I found when I was driving the forklift, when I changed the three things in my attitude, act like you do what you, act like you love what you do, do every job to the best of your ability, treat everybody with total respect. The do everything to your best of your ability is where I started bettering my best every day. Mm. And it started just very small, right? I, I would recognize like, okay, I need to put the pen here. Okay. Well, tomorrow it actually down here would be actually be a little bit better. And so something as simple as that. I'm Brandon. It was basic, basic. basic. That's wow. where I had to start with my life. Sure. So I just kept doing that. And of course, you know the story. I was shocked at how much progress I made in 30 days. Like it changed whoom, everything. Right. My whole perception of life began to change. So then I got, I was in an environment where it could actually make a difference because I left and went to work for another company that I had no history with, which was extremely important for me to succeed because there's no way that anybody would have let me succeed with the history that I had. Mm. It just wasn't going to happen, right? You're not going to, you're not going to, you're not going to be promoted and, and, and moved forward with hope and optimism when you've had screaming matches with the boss. Well, they knew the old you. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Absolutely. Absolutely. So when I go to work for this new place, I realize I have an opportunity here to make this work, right? To, to really see the benefit of how well this could actually work. And I began doing that every day. I mean, it, it was, you know, I'm not, I'm not saying this to brag. I'm saying this to like impress upon people. I went from the person that they wanted to fire probably more than anybody in the company, but couldn't because of a union to working for another company where everybody in the company thought that I came down from heaven because there wasn't anything that I couldn't do or wouldn't do uh, in a good way, right? For I mean, they called me Diamond Dave. They, they right, nicknamed yeah. me Diamond Dave, which was good and bad because 
the the people that were underneath me in that company didn't particularly like it. The workers didn't really particularly like like it. The blue collar workers, sure. but the management sure did, you know. And of, of course, it allowed me to then consistently climb in that company all the way to the top. And then from there, it was I'm not going to another company. I'm going to build a company. And so that's where my thought process mm-hmm. went. And then it moved out of there. And then that's 20 years ago. That's over 20 years ago. It's 22, yeah. 23 years ago. What's now. fascinating about that is every single person has that ability inside of them. Like I have that ability to be able to be, maybe I'm stuck in this one area of my life, but I could really easily change that yeah. because we have yeah. free will. We have choice. Right. And Many people struggle mightily with that. Like well, they struggle. Well, you have to be willing to make mistakes. You do, and that's where that's where my heart. That's the hardest piece of growth for <laughs> me is being able to make mistakes, I right? Yeah. And be confident enough to know that this mistake is not going to kill you. But I love the fact that you show it was something as simple as even moving your pen down yes. on your page. Like start with something small today, and do a little bit more tomorrow. You would think it's an easy concept. I mean, Just do I'm a telling more. you, it was the difference between. I'm going to set this cup in the sink. Now I'm going to go ahead and put it in the dishwasher. Yes. Right? Like it was that, uh, like I was seeing how could I do a little bit better in all the basic areas of my life because I didn't know how to do better in the sure. other areas. I only knew what I knew, and that was the suggestion, basically. Start where you are. And that's what I did. Yeah. I, I do this in, in my in my runs, my daily runs. Like I'm I'm supposed to run like let's say a five K. I'm gonna go I'm gonna do a little bit more than a five K and then over the course of a of a week, of a month, of a year, you've run an additional, you know, twenty six, thirty, fifty miles over right. the course of a year. Right. Just by doing a little tiny bit. So all that to say it's not hard. You can do it with something as simple as a as a dish in the sink, put it in the dishwasher or hand wash it yourself. Like all those little things add up to big changes in your right. life because you're reprogramming your brain. Right. And, and you're following through. Yes. So it's not just like I thought about doing it, I did it. So now I'm building a habit. I'm creating a habit, mm-hmm. a habit of following through, a habit of completing what it is that you start, you know. Um, it also it also has a curious side effect, which is it makes you think twice about what you're going to say yes to mm. because you then have this internal pressure like, well, if I said I'm going to do it, I have to do it, right? And, and it really, at that point, it does not feel good not to do it. Before that, before you were being your word, you would say stuff like sure. that all the time. But now once you start doing this, it's kind of like, I need to develop, I need to like develop my yes and my no, right? So if, the, if it's something I don't want to do, I just need to say, I, I don't want to do this. I'm not going to do it, right? Because I know that I'll be miserable, right? And I'm not going to like let people down and not do it. So I'm just not going to do it. That's I'm going to go do something different. What a, and what a gift to give yourself. It's like, a tremendous you know, gift. To yeah. Be able well, you to, start to, to own pick your and life. choose. Yeah, you do. You own your life. You know, if it hits your calendar, you know it's sacred. It's a commitment. You're following, you know, Don Miguel Ruiz's be impeccable with your word. I'm If I say I'm going to do something, I'm damn well going to do it. Right. So it's really interesting how all that gets funneled into do a little bit more. And in that pursuit, it's amazing how your life will change in an instant. It is. So great. Well, this was a brilliant uh, piece you shared in this episode. You said, love the life you live, live the life you love, but do it with everything that you have to put into it. And that's that's perfect, first and foremost, and definitely the mindset that all of us are striving for. Uh, the question I have is, what if that love of something is elusive? Does that mean I'm not on purpose and I need to look elsewhere? Or can I find a way to love that thing once again? I, I, well, 
I, I think there's different levels of love. Okay. I think there's like different kinds of love. I think that you can be in love with something. You can discover something in your life. You're in love with it. It's your passion. You do it and you do it for a period of time. And all of a sudden you're not in love with it anymore, but you're looking for something different and you're fine with that. Um, to go backwards and say, I should fall back in love with this. I don't know. That's necessarily the healthy thing to do. I think part of the question might be, why did you fall out of love with it? Just to be sure. Um, but even with people, that happens, you know, and we move on to something else. However, I do think that there are certain things in life that we have to do to some degree that we don't necessarily like to do. Um, but if we do it with the attitude of love, it brings joy to what it is that we, that we do. Because I've never met anybody that doesn't have to do some things that you just don't enjoy doing. I mean, they're just not, if, if you didn't have to do them, you wouldn't do them. You right. know what I mean? But every, we all have, have certain things like that. Sure. What I discovered was that when I said, act like I love what I do, I didn't know that I literally could act like I loved something and that would change my experience of the thing. So when I drove the forklift, I didn't like driving the forklift, but I started acting like I loved driving the forklift and it changed my experience of the forklift, which changed my experience of my world. It changed my perception. So this wasn't magic. This was literally changes were happening that caused me to see things differently that I didn't know were there, right? It's, I had no idea that opportunity was around me at the time. Um, I had no idea that the answers to the things I was struggling with were around me and I just couldn't see them. But acting like I loved what I was doing allowed me to see joy in the world where I was seeing anger mm -hmm. and hate and fuck you and I don't want to do this and the world owes me something. Like that's the place that I was starting to turn. That was the person I was starting to turn into sure. as a young man, which would not have been a good thing if that had fully developed, you know. Yeah. So, yeah, you can, you can definitely act like it, and it changes your perception of what you're experiencing. Well, and not only that, but it changes your body chemistry almost immediately. Yes. So, you know, I liken this to, not to keep bringing it back to exercise, but, you know, there's days when I just don't want to do, I don't want to get out there and do my hour or whatever your I run. do, right? I don't want to do it. I mean, I, I, I want to do it based on the street because I'm OCD, and I want to keep this thing rolling, <laughs> right? But there's this piece of me that is man, why is my body hurt so bad today? It's because I'm entering into this, this commitment, feeling like it's just a commitment that I have to do instead of I want to do. So, you know, just the other day I was sitting there thinking, you know, I started to look at the moon coming, you know, the brilliant full moon or the leaves were popping or that, that wonderful warm air that was hitting my face. And in a, in a moment, my body felt great. It was giving back to me what I wanted in that moment just by saying something as simple. You know, I do this when I would race, you know, in, you know, races here in the area. If I'm struggling, I'll just smile. Like I will do something as simple as smile in that moment. Yeah. And I probably look like a freaking weirdo as I'm running by these fans, whatever, but it changes your everything. It's, it's that whole thing. Like you can change your attitude based on anything and your body responds in kind. And I think that's, that's, that's not lost on me. The importance right. of that it's, it's gratitude. It always comes back to gratitude. Yeah, yeah. Everything we do in here, it always comes back in gratitude. And if you're not in gratitude, then the wheels are going to fall off and, and then you're in a struggle yeah. and you're in a pit of shit. And that's when you really got to reassess and like, Hey, I'm going to, I'm going to work through this. You know, Emerson gave us a clue in this area. Um, he said, do the thing and you'll get the energy to do the thing. And it's 100% yes. accurate. 
It's 100% accurate. I mean, I've been speaking for a living for 22 years, and it's rare, but there are days where I just don't feel like it, Mm -hmm. right? But then once I start, my whole body chemistry changes, you know, and I can feel it change the longer that I'm doing it, you know? So um, I just think that it's such a fascinating thing that you're talking about, that it it changes your body chemistry Mm -hmm. because it does, and that changes your experience. Yeah, and it's, I mean, I I think of, you know, like uh, musicians who tour, right? Um, Not so much now, but they're going to be getting back out there very, very soon. And they do that day in and day out. They do. The grind, the routine. I mean, you look at like one of your favorite groups, the Rolling Stones, they've been doing it for decade upon decade upon decade. 60 years this year. Holy shit. And they're still doing it with a high intensive energy. They started in 61. And you know they're sitting there in one moment like, God, this is really, but if you let that thought. how many times are you going to play Satisfaction? (laughs) Exactly, right? Right? I mean, We love it, but we only hear it intermittently. They play it every night. Yeah, you know. Yeah. I mean, I mean, for sixty years. Yeah, they, they, come on. You know that you got to get tired of playing the song, but you would never know it by watching them, because they have to. They have to bring what you're saying to that stage, True. right? They're perf- it's performance art. They're yeah. They're becoming the thing that they're selling in right in front of your face yeah, and yeah. they, and they're having a ball and they're doing it. They're, they're doing it every single night. It's the same for them, but for that person who's in the audience paying the ticket, that's the first time maybe they're seeing that. So they want to bring Very the best true. of it. And it would be so easy for, for Mick or Keith to say, you know, I'm just going to sit on the couch today. Let's just cancel our North American tour. I just want to, you know, sit around and just enjoy this. No, they're still out there doing it because if you say you're going to do something and then you don't do it, You've said it repeatedly before. It's so easy to not do it tomorrow right. and do it the next day. That is why I have this, this sort of dysfunctional fear of, you know, not going out for my run right. or taking a day off. Because it will gain momentum. It will gain momentum when I, because I said I was going to do this. Now, there's going to come a point in time when I can't, you know. But at this point in time, is it me just being lazy or is it me just saying, oh, I'm afraid. There's a fear there that if I stop that I won't start back up yeah. again, which, you know, there's all manners of things going on with that. But all that to say, you do feel it in your body when you do the thing. And there's a little sense of accomplishment. Like, you know, I'm kind of like uh, the movie Gremlins where I don't eat after eight o'clock, you know, like <laughs> don't feed the gremlin, don't get it wet. You know, I don't eat after eight o'clock. And the reason I don't do that is because if I started eating at, let's say 830, have a little cookie or something sweet, then before you know it, boom, I'm going to have another one tomorrow. And then the next day, and it becomes because I'm a routine oriented sort of guy. So when I say I'm going to do something, I do it because that's just the way. That's the only way I know how to do things. And Um, if you don't do it, it turns into something you don't want repetitively and it becomes difficult to break. Very quickly. Like I've, I've opened the door a little bit these last few months to having a little, because I was cutting out sugar. I was doing great. And then all of a sudden I kind of add a little in here, add a little in there. And then before you know it, you're, the brain chemistry is like, Ooh, I crave this thing. Like, Ooh, let's go get a bag of Cheetos and have a freaking Kit Kat. You know, it's like, stop this cell, stop yourself, reset, figure it out. So yeah, this is a, not, not that it has much to do with the episode, but I guess, you know. I think it has everything to do with it. You know, yeah. but I, I remember when uh, one of my favorite books is, is Keith Richards' biography, Life. Right. And in the book, somewhere it gets addressed, somebody says to him, um, why don't you just retire? Mm-hmm. You know, he's in his 70s now. They're actually, shit, they're pushing 80 at this right. point. And he's like, I've been on the road for 50 years, man. Like, I just can't shut it off. He's like, I can't stop till I croak. 
Yeah. Like I just can't. It's it's who they become and it's what they are. Like this year, so I was supposed to go see them. Well, we were both right. we were yeah, supposed totally. to see them last July. Yeah. But and we still have the tickets. Yeah. They haven't refunded them. Exactly. So they're, apparently they're still planning to play at some yeah. point. I don't know yeah. when. Um and uh I can I just think those guys must be going out of their mind for two reasons. One, they they never stop and now they've had to stop because right, of the virus and they know they're right at the edge of, end of their career right so at some point one of them's going to die or something's going to happen mm-hmm. where they can't do it anymore and they've got to be getting close to that freight time frame they're in sure. their late 70s right so i'm sure that they want to go out you know with some kind of a a bang if yeah, you will i mean yeah. li- because literally this year they're at si- 60 years yeah the band wow. started in 1961. Man, that's insane. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, just, excuse me. It's just really interesting because, you know, I've seen this play out in not necessarily the musician's life, but even in my own life, I've had um, friends or family friends who were working towards this mythical goal of retirement or yeah. walking away. And then immediately when they left, like within six months, they had passed away. Yes, like there's I, a lot of stories. There was, a, there was a woman who I taught with. She had taught for 45 years. And believe me, at the end of her 10 years, she needed to go. She was teaching young children. She had lost a, a sense of being able to control them or to help them. But she knew in the back of her mind that if she left, this was it for her. And I kid you not, literally within six months, she was gone. Because that was what drove her. That was what was keeping her going. And we we kind of put this mythical like retirement, I'm working towards retirement, that middle class mindset. Yeah. And it's so quickly we realized that we love what we do. The Stones love what they do, clearly. Yeah. And this year off or this lost year because of coronavirus, it must be difficult. I never really thought, man, it must be really hard for a group that's been going on, you know, like all these years, 60 years of touring and to not be able to do it, that must leave a huge hole in, in your heart Yeah, because that's all you know. Right. Can't and we don't want them to leave. Do. We don't right. want them to retire, but right. we also want them to go out with the d- dignity where they're not forgetting the words and playing the wrong chords or whatever it might be. So yeah, very, very interesting to me. Well, uh, last week we shared Pritchett's quote, absence of evidence is not evidence of its absence. Mm. And I love that you said in this episode, faith is a choice. <laughs> you know, you're choosing to believe in something you can't see. Is this where you see most people stop when they're pursuing their dreams? Because they can't see it, they're like, well, I gave it a good effort. It's just not going to work out. No. Maybe I should settle. No. I see them stop with fear. Fear. Yeah. I, it's, it's not, if you don't have fear and you don't see it, you'll, you'll pursue it till you find it. Mm. It's really fear is the thing that, that kill, kills most people. Uh, fear and then you know, that can spiral into a lot of different things like being jaded or, you know, being hurt or disappointed or whatever. Um, but really, it, it, is, it is the fear and the disillusionment mm. of what it is that they wanted. I, I've never, <clears throat> it, well, I can, only t- I, I can only tell you this. I've never seen anybody quit in the 22 years that I've been doing this because they couldn't see where to go next. That I have not experienced but I have seen a lot of people quit because they got afraid. The fear. Yeah. That makes total sense. Yeah. So faith definitely over fear and it is a choice. I've seen people get stuck. I've seen people slow down. Sure. I've seen people have little crises in their life, stuff like that, but not, not really failure. Yeah, absolutely. Well, this was one of the quotes that I pulled out of this. This is Pritchett's words. You must leave the cover of safety that goes with merely wishing for something. You must place your trust in action. Ask, seek, 
knock and the dream shall be yours. Wow. wow, Is that ever cool? Would you mind elaborating on that a bit more and how profound Pritchett's words are there? That ask, seek, knock is so... Well, it's biblical. Yeah. Okay. It is. It's, 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 it's it's biblical. Um, it, it is a message that has come down from various teachers throughout time. And basically it is, if you keep pursuing the thing that you're pursuing, you will find it. It will find you. You will, you will come together. Um, and that is not how most people are taught to live their life. It's kind of like, don't make waves. Don't piss people mm-hmm. off. Don't upset anybody. Don't take too many risks. Don't put yourself in jeopardy. So it's all about basically when you tell somebody that it's here are the things that verify where you should stop, right? If somebody sure. gets upset with you or you piss somebody off or you have a loss or you risk something or, you know, whatever, you're telling people this is where you should stop and that's absolutely not true. Yeah. So the idea, what's profound about it is that it's telling you not just to go, but it's telling you the barriers that are there. Like knock, there's a door right? So knock and the door will be opened. If you don't knock, nobody knows you're at the door, right? It's, it's kind of like that. Yeah. The universe can only give back to you what you pursue in it. Mm. That's it. Yeah. Makes total sense. Yeah. I just see right now, I just pulled it up. Matthew seven, uh, verse seven and eight, yeah. ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find knock and the door will be open to you for everyone who asks receives the one who seeks finds and to the one who knocks the door will be open. There you go. I love that. Yeah. And it just made me think of Walter White. I am the one who knocks <laughs> from breaking bad. Not a correlation there. didn't mean to throw the Bible in with breaking bad, but definitely one of my all time favorites. Um, yeah, that's, that's super powerful. I just loved that. And I guess I never made the correlation that it was bib- biblical yeah. in nature. And that's such a powerful thing to just have in front of you. Like how many doors are not open to you because you didn't knock on it. Right. Like, I mean, that's hundred so, percent true. So true. hundred percent of the doors you don't knock on will not be open. You get a hundred percent of what you don't ask for. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's true. That's That's, so true. That's hundred percent true. Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my God. That's crazy. All right. For our listeners who are in business, where sales, did they have a, they have a sales component to their business and they need that to survive. They know they're going to hear no more likely than they hear yes, but it hurts. You know, having been in sales before the nose hurts. (laughs) So it sounds like a beast. Yeah, right. Exactly. (laughs) It like, it, it hurts so bad. Is this a deep seated fear? Well, is this my deep seated fear of rejection or is there something else at play here? Is there something different? No, it's everybody's fear of rejection. Everybody's fear of rejection. People don't like, to be told no. They don't like to be rejected. And here's the here's the thing about this. I think that it's something that all life goes through to some degree that, they, that life has to learn to adapt to. We're supposed to grow through it, you know. But what ends up happening is that we create societies where um, we don't. You know, we get rejected and the answer is don't do it anymore because I don't want to be rejected. I don't want to move through that pain. So now you have somebody and they're going to do something that probably gives more rejection than anything, which is sales. You're always going to have more no's than you have yeses, uh, whether they're directly or they're indirectly. So when a person's rejected, one of the interesting things about that is that if they're selling something that's theirs, they take it way more personally than they do if they're selling it for somebody else in a company. I've, I've watched people 
literally CEOs of major companies that decided they're going to go out and start their own business. And they were a rock star as a CEO for another company. And when they started their own business, they fell flat on their face because they could not get past the rejection of the, of the thing that, that was close to them, right? Now, it doesn't mean that they can't, but I've, but I've literally witnessed this. It's a fascinating psychological deal. I mean, no, nobody likes to be rejected. But it's definitely something that you can grow past and you can learn about yourself when it comes to rejection. Because here's, here's the real deal. Nobody is really rejecting another person. They're rejecting the interpretation of what they see themselves in whatever the relationship is. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, you know, I was thinking, I wrote down one of the questions I had was what's the cure for brushing off the nose and plugging towards the yes. I make, I make rejection sound like a disease, but, um, I assume that that cure is basically not taking things personally. Like, and remember that you're trying to help this person. And if you do get a no, there's another yes coming from somewhere else. Yeah. Well, here's the thing for anybody that's listening, when you get rejected by something, ask yourself, what is that pain really about? Get down to the root of it for yourself, and it'll tell you why you're afraid of rejection. And then you can heal that thing. You know, when it comes to sales, a lot of it has to do with acceptance, one, because you need acceptance in order for your business to run. And the other one is the financial security of sales that has to happen. So it's, it is a psychological acceptance, psychological, emotional acceptance, and the financial stability of the company. When somebody tells you, no, it's a threat right? So we go into a defensive position around it. And instead of us being wrong, we make the other person wrong. Mm. We feel bad. We don't want to, nobody wants to keep doing something that they feel like crap about. Yeah, absolutely. And this is where, you know, keeping a, a pen and paper nearby or immediately after you get off of your phone call, the sales call that where you got to know to kind of go back through the call, maybe listen to it or write down, remember what you said and try and figure out. Because a lot of times I know when I was in sales, I would go from a no, I would go right into the next call and I would immediately not stop and take a moment to like think, yeah. okay, what, what was that about? I love that you say, go into that pain, go into that rejection, figure out what it's about and bring that newfound knowledge into your next call exactly. because it's going to help you get to that all important. Totally. Yes, totally. absolutely. Well, like so many times on this show, we, and we're going to enter into a brief conversation about personal responsibility, which is one of my favorite topics. And the best book you've ever read on this topic, you've said numerous times is As a Man Thinketh yeah. by James Allen. And you shared a technique that you employed while prepping for a seminar that you were leading way back in the early years uh, of you growing your business, where you took four different colored highlighters and you randomly highlighted just 20 sentences from that book. Uh -huh. And then once that was completed, you numbered the colors and you wrote them down on a separate sheet of paper. In random order. In random order. Interestingly enough, when you went back and read them, they made perfect sense, as if they were written that very way. Yeah. What ever made you think to do it that way? And have you ever done it with any other materials you studied to see if it stood that test? No, not really. Although I have seen where it would work with other materials. But but here's the thing. In in those in those early years when I did that. I was so enthralled by the discovery of some truth, right, that the, the, the implications that it was having on my life were blowing me away. And so I started thinking to myself, you know, all different kinds, like I, I, could, I could spend a day here telling <laughs> you about where my mind goes with this stuff. But one of the things that happened to dawn on me, and it was as I was reading As a Man Thinketh, was if it's truth, it's truth, 
no matter how you receive it. And I kept playing with that, and I kept playing with that. And I kept thinking, my mind kept saying, no, that can't be true. What if the scenario's wrong? What if something else is wrong? And then I kept going by, but it, it wouldn't make it, it wouldn't matter because it's truth. It might not relate, but it's still truth. So as I, as I was going through As a Man Thinketh, I was thinking, this is really a profound book because every sentence is truth. So I was like, I wonder what would happen if I did this. And I, and I did that. Like, it just popped into my mind right. to do it. And I remember it was a pink, a blue, a green, and a yellow <laughs> uh, marker. And I just randomly yeah. went through until I had 20 lines and then randomly flipped back and forth until I had numbered all of them and then read them according to the numbers. And it was as if James Allen wrote the book that way. Wow. And I used to teach it in a, in a telephone seminar over and over and over again. I, sh- I should find it. It's in my library somewhere. Uh, I have it in a binder. It's in mm-hmm. a loose leaf binder now. The actual worksheet that you did where you pulled the the oh, highlighter Yeah, out? what I did was I printed the book off on a PDF. Got it. And I did it on I did it on that. Oh so God. I yeah. would love to get that framed and put in here <laughs> or put somewhere in the office just to be able to walk by all I those colors it. and see it. That would yeah. be so yeah, no, it's so true. amazing. Well and I wrote down in my notes truth is truth and I had a feeling you were going to go there for sure because one of the things that I learned from you early on when we were studying is you know if I was ever low in energy or I needed some inner, some motivation I would just pick up a book off the shelf maybe yes. one of the ones you recommended flip through yep. until I stopped and just read that paragraph and be like it's amazing that it's the exact thing you need in that it's moment amazing. every single time almost every time and Proctor was the one that turned me on to that and that was part of the of the revelation that it wouldn't matter where I opened this book from, it would it would be as true. And my curiosity was, would it read as true? Right. Like, would it one sentence make sentence to another sentence and back and forth? And it blew me away that it did. Wow. It was just, it was amazing. And I was so excited about this. I mean, <laughs> for most people, it's probably stupid. But I was so excited about this. I was I was teaching it to people. I'm like, check, look at this, right? Now, most of the people were not having the same realization as me. They yeah, were like, yeah, 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 sure. so what? Um, but to me, it, it, it made something different because I realized that if I really had an honest-to-goodness desire to find truth in something, which we can talk about another time because many people don't, a lot of times the truth is very disturbing, and people don't want to hear the truth. Right. It can be very disturbing to people. Um but if you have an honest to good desire to do it, it will lead you through your life quickly from one problem to the solution to a problem to a solution and out the other end very quickly if you can accept the truth yeah. about what something actually is. And like I said, somebody sent it to me like this. The truth doesn't always come wrapped like a Christmas present. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it comes wrapped in tears. Yeah. You know, and, um, and that's true. Sure. No, there's such a childlike wonder that you have for learning. It's so, it's so interesting. Yeah. Yeah, You get so excited. Like you geek out on these things where most people are like, oh my God, this is blowing my mind. But you do take these works. I mean, you, I've said it before. It's probably not respectful to you, but it's like, you're the cliff notes version of, of these titles that I needed. Like when you broke down the science of getting rich and you broke down as a man thinketh and think and grow rich and all these titles, when I read them, I'm a reader that reads to get through. And, and something that I've learned from you is that's not the way to go about it. Just on a call we did with another program a a week or so ago, you, had a few titles that you had recommended about the inner voices in our head and the self-talk. I immediately went out and bought it 
started reading it and I was, I was catching myself going through it rapidly and I needed to stop. I needed to grab a pen. I wanted to put some tick marks in there, write some notes. And it, it forced me to slow down because I'm trying to consume, but I'm not consuming it to the point where I can recall it. What's the point? At, right. that, at that moment in time. So it really has something that I've learned from you is to try and capture that childlike wonder for these and take it line by line sometimes. Yeah. And if it takes you a week to read a page, so be it, because it allows you to be able to replicate it and use it in your life. Well, that's biblical too. That comes from Solomon. Solomon said, with all thy getting, get understanding. And of course, I learned that from, from my mentor, but he taught me to study that way. And he was like, listen, just because you can repeat this page back to me doesn't mean you know anything. Mm. He's like, just stick with a paragraph until you understand it. Stick with a sentence until you understand it. And yeah. then move on. He goes, getting from the, from point A to point B in this book is not, it's not going to do anything for you. Right. Like he said, like, people read thousands of books every year. There, nothing changes in their life. Yeah. He's like, understand what the author is saying and then apply that one thing and see if your life changes. So that's how I've studied ever since then. Well, it's it's a brilliant way to go about it because, I mean, you've clearly figured out the, not the key to this, but you understand that this is how you learn. And it's amazing. Coming from a guy who, you know, didn't graduate from high school and right. was on the dock to being this, this thought leader who studies in such a way where, and you've got like this steel trap mind where you remember these things, like you just pulled Solomon out. It's like, it's, it's so amazing to me and it's something that I emulate and something that I, I too want to do instead of letting my, you know, I'll start the top of a page and I'll immediately start glancing with my other eye to get to the bottom of it. And in that process, I've got 7,000 thoughts that have gone through my head that have nothing to do with what I just read. And instead of going back and doing it again, and doing it again, I move on. And that's something that I've really been focusing on as of late. Like, you need to stop and slow down and read that sentence over and over and over again because it'll hit you a different way and you'll learn from it. So, yeah. Yeah, it's very cool. Well, you know, you you did a lot of, you also mentioned Raymond Hollywell in this particular episode. And you bounced between several books that I mentioned at the top of the show, you know, a little bit of Price Pritchett's U Squared, As a Man Thinketh, we just talked about with James Allen, Working with the Law, another classic by Raymond Hollywell. And you bounced around while teaching this lesson and and you talked about how they played a huge role in your success. And you don't necessarily read them cover to cover, but rather you just open them up and start reading like we just talked about. Was that something that you learned from your mentor? Um, or is that how you always? No, I learned it from Proctor. You did? Yeah, Because your seven years of study, you, yeah. you must have compiled a huge volume uh, titles of things you were reading from. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, in, well, so let me think about th- that for a second. I, I did learn that from Proctor. So before meeting him, I was reading books from cover to cover. And I would also read them from cover to cover if I was listening to them. Now, a lot of my early learning was all auditory because I would, it was all cassette tapes. Tapes, right. You know, I had, I had a hundred mile drive to work and a hundred mile drive home. So I was like, I could use this time to change myself. Right. So I did. I educated myself for seven years on that drive. And, but that was all, that was all uh, listening. Now Mm -hmm. I had a tremendous library that I was starting to build at home that was physical books, that I was also reading when I had time off that way. But when I started working with Bob and he started teaching me how to study, that's when I rapidly started to increase my knowledge because I wasn't just reading like they teach you in school. Oh, 
do you have retention? Read oh, and what, recite. Do you have an eighth, a third grade retention, an eighth grade retention? Because I probably, I, I mean, I don't remember what I tested out at in school, but I was probably reading with a sixth or seventh grade retention. Um, and now it's almost like I have a, a, a mirror mind. Like, a, yeah. like it's it's bizarre when it comes to, I read with an incredible amount of retention. Yeah. Um, but it's, but I'm a, I think I attach to it emotionally too, mm-hmm. because when you understand something, you're getting on an emotional level, not just, not just intellectual. A, a, an intellectual level. Yeah. yeah I think yeah. so. I think, I think that's, that's so true. great. I'm, and it's, it's something that we all could benefit from by taking the time to actually read Everybody something. Can benefit from yeah. It. Just take the time, read through it, go slow and even do the trick where you just open up a book, pull a book off your shelf that has something to do with, with life and, and where you want yeah. to be and just read that page. I mean, it's, it's a, it's a powerful exercise that I've been so grateful to learn from you. So, well, awesome. this has been outstanding. I love that, you know, we're dealing with this premise of pursuit. We all have something we're yeah. pursuing and, you know, as long as you continue to keep moving forward, uh, good things are coming your way. So I love it. Thanks you for bet. coming inside. You bet. Thanks for listening to the Successful Mind Podcast. And if you like what you heard and you want to know more, go to davidnagel.com forward slash free stuff. <laughs>